You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Kush Parikh and Corey Johnson. Be sure to check us out weekly every Monday and Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds, that's K-N-O-W-S bleeds, on Instagram at the nosebleeds, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds podcast. That's K N O W S. Bleeds is your boy. You already know it's your boy, Kush, and I'm here with my co host, as always, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey, how you doing? How was your weekend, man? I'm solid. I'm solid. Um, the. The, just just so much stuff going on in sports right now that I'm just like, whoa. But I mean, everything kind of like paused for me as soon as some beef occurred this weekend. Cause like, I was like, yo, we had so many like scuffles, so much trash talking going back and forth. I mean, it's, it was wild. And All like, right. you think like with COVID, like people would not be like trying to like you know get into altercations but that does not stop anybody <laughs> yeah you know it's competition but we'll get into that in a bit but yeah like this whole sports thing i feel like with so much sports back it's just like it's so hard to narrow narrow down what we're going to talk about each episode so it's like i feel like we're going to leave some listeners kind of in disbelief like why didn't you talk about this why didn't you talk about this so it's like just a heads up to all the listeners we can only talk about so much in the hour or so that we do talk about um, and if you feel that you want us to talk about a certain topic, just hit us up. Uh, mm-hmm. us, hit us up on IG in the comments. DM us. You know, you already know the deal. No you see that? Bleed. That was like a little uh, D-Wade LeBron lob. Like, I lobbed it up and Corey just slammed <laughs> that shit. <laughs> right, off, right off the glass. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, so, yeah, yeah, for real. Re- really, like, do... Re- reach out to us we're we're all ears we want to obviously do what the listeners want us to do so hit us up let us know what you want us to talk about but yeah we got a lot of a lot of stuff to talk about but before we start let's start off with on this day in sports history august 10th 2008 american superstar swimmer michael phelps wins a 400 meter individual medley at the beijing olympics in world record time of four minutes and 3.84 seconds take a listen and he's been building each 100 so that second 50's gotten faster with each 100 he's going to break the world record gold medal number one for michael phelps we mentioned that this race would set the table for michael phelps he was worried everybody was worried but no problem for michael phelps Yeah, this was Phelps's record-breaking eighth gold medal that he had won. And, I, I mean, first of all, swimming is just hard in general. I'll say that. <laughs> yes. I was, yes, it is. I was just telling Corey before we started recording this episode, I was record, I was uh, swimming the other day, and I was like, after four laps, I'm like huffing and puffing over here. And uh, <laughs> Michael Phelps is over here winning eight gold medals in the Beijing Olympics. I mean, Like it's nothing. <laughs> For real. Corey, what do you remember about the Beijing Olympics and Michael Phelps? I just remember, like, he left, He definitely left a legacy uh, as far as just leading 
uh, the U.S. and just dominating and not settling for anything but gold, it seemed like. And it seemed like every Olympics, there was three things that you always had to kind of expect. As far as me, I was like trying to see what Usain Bolt was trying to do. I was really trying to see what the USA uh, basketball was going to do. And then obviously Michael Phelps, uh, seeing what he was able to do in the pool for the U.S. And it wasn't like uh, he was, it seemed like he was always in competition with himself, more so in competition with uh, the rest of the the field and the other swimmers that he was going up against. It seemed like he was always trying to push himself to the limit to do better and break his own records or go above and beyond and, and, and push his teammates as well whenever they had the relays. So uh, Phelps definitely left behind a legacy for sure when it came to uh, the Olympics. Yeah, I remember reading an article what back in like after the Olympics, after he'd won a record-breaking eight gold medals, and it was talking about his diet. And I remember it was something like he would eat every meal about 4,000 calories and after he would swim about five hours and then it was just like repeat 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 and that was like he did that probably three to five times a day which is like that's insane like four thousand calories a meal not even just a day a meal that's what he'd do and i mean and he would just burn it all off and i guess that's just how he got better and better and better yeah for sure phelps is definitely a legend when it comes to the olympics all right now let's get down to the nitty-gritty we got some bubble beef for y'all in the nba (laughs) we got first of all let's start off with the biggest thing Damian Lillard versus Paul George I mean we all know Damian Lillard is a bad man on the court but off the court this dude is as lethal as he is on the court and in the studio I mean the Trailblazers and the Clippers they were playing each other on Saturday morning and it looked like the Clippers were tanking the game towards the end I mean they pulled (laughs) Paul George out they pulled Lou Will out in the last five minutes of the game of a five-point game and then Kawhi wasn't playing because it was uh, the first game of a back-to-back so you know why load managing and then in the last 20 seconds of the game the Clippers were leading 118 to 117 with their second and third string players out there (laughs) and Damian Lillard was at the free throw line shooting two so to tie and to potentially take the lead and he missed both free throws and it was seen after he missed the free throws that the Clippers bench uh, specifically Pat Bev was animated and tapping his wrist, mocking the Dame time and waving goodbye. And uh, the Clippers would ultimately go on to win the game in a game that the Blazers really, really needed to win to solidify their playoff spot. And the Clippers, you know, they they didn't really care to win this game. I think they were tanking more so to make sure the Blazers were going to get the AT to give the Lakers a hard time. But, um, mm. I mean, this is what Dame Lillard had to say about the reactions from the Clippers bench. Take a listen. I didn't see it, but I heard about it. Um, after I missed the first one, I heard them over there yelling. I just think that's, to me, that just shows what they expect from me down the stretch. You know, they know what I do. And um, he saw it firsthand when I was a second-year player when he was in Houston. So I'm sure he has a great memory of that, uh, which is, you know, why that drew that type of reaction from him when he saw me come up short at the end of a game. So um, to me, that's all that says. PG did the wave because he also was surprised because he experienced getting waved that last year. The actual wave, yes. The like PG, wave. I mean, I'm gonna say, let me say this: like for one, I know what happened. I I expect myself to make those free throws, and I didn't when my team needed it. You know, which was a failure for me that I can accept. But 
asking me about Patrick Beverly, who I sent him home before at the end of a game. Paul George just got sent home by me last year in the playoffs. So they know that the reason they're reacting like that is because of what they expect from me, which is a sign of respect. And it just shows what I've done um, at a high clip more times than not. So I'm not offended by it. Um, if anything, it should just tell you how, it, how much it hurt them to go through what I put them through in those situations previously. And after his interview, Bleacher Report posted Dame's statement on their Instagram and both Pat Bev and PG responded saying, well, Pat Bev responded saying, Cancun on three. And then Paul George responded saying, and you getting sent home this year, respect. And then Dame responded back to Paul George, keep switching teams, running from the grind, you boys is chumps. And then Paul George responded saying, respect that to my stint with my first team, alluding to the Pacers, I had more success. Dame time is running out, G. And uh, <laughs> I guess Dame took it real personal because this man followed up in the second game of a back-to-back with 50 points against the 76ers. Like, so, Corey, let's talk about this situation first. What's your whole take on this situation? Um, so, like, before, before even, like, the whole free throw incident happened, Dane was going back and forth with Pat Bev on the bench, uh, was going Pat back and forth with Pat Bev throughout the game. And there was even like a snippet where he hit a shot and he was going back down the court and he looked over at uh, Beverly and he, I think he's mouthing and he's saying to him, I want you, I want you out here. And he was pretty much saying that I want you to be out here guarding me so I can go back and forth with you instead of you just jawing and, 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 you know, being on the bench talking crap. And everybody was like pretty much like saying that Beverly's a clown and Beverly's this and Beverly's that for doing he was doing. But I'm like, this is this is what he does. He's a pest. He's not only a pest as far as defense, but he's annoying as far as his personality. He definitely has like that Lance Stevenson uh, type of personality in him where like these guys are not afraid to get under your skin. And they know that they're role players. They know that they're not stars. And everybody loves to always talk about, like, oh, if you look at Beverly's career career numbers, he has, like, over a 1,000 clapbacks. <laughs> he has 2,000 uh, bench uh, seats or something like that. Like, it, it was just, like, crazy. And I'm just thinking, like, okay, Beverly's not a stat guy. Like, he's clearly not a stat guy. He's all about defense, and he's all about literally – getting into his opponent's head and trying to mentally break them down. So um, if this ends up happening to where uh, maybe the the Clippers are motivated by this, this pushes them to, to do better and, and go on and this brings them together as a team. I mean, why, why would you not? And it's, it's clear that uh, when Dane, in this post-game interview, he clearly talks about how, you know, Pat Bev and Paul George know what's up. <laughs> I mean, these guys, I, I've given it to them both. Like, I've hit shots on both of them back in the day. So, I mean, for them to do, you know, go back and forth on me, uh, that's that just shows their, their respect. And I agree, because if Dame was a bum or nobody knew who Dame was, they're not going to be doing that and – uh, especially Pat Bev is not going to be doing the the Dame time or waving goodbye at the end of the game or anything like that. So um, I think that this was just the Clippers' way of uh, it, it was just it was just competition. 
and I, I think that people love to say that the NBA is soft and uh, compared to the 90s and stuff like that. But I mean, like modern day era, as just as somebody who enjoys seeing competition and enjoys seeing, uh, you know, basketball, this is going to happen. I mean, if you've ever been to a park or if you've ever been to a rec game and it's been like some serious level competition, dudes will literally fight on the court and then will come back after the fight and keep on playing the game. So, I mean, like this, this is, it's not even to that level, but clearly like it's, it's not, I don't think it's as deep as everybody thinks it is. Like, I don't think these guys like hate each other, but uh, it is some good level competition going on and you love to see it. Yeah, for sure. And the biggest thing I was like hoping and praying for is I was hoping that Kawhi would come out of his shadows and just tweet some random thing, like (laughs) something very Kawhi, like, like, Ha ha ha. Ha ha. You <laughs> lost LOL. And that's it. <laughs> like something Kawhi like. I was just really hoping for it because I don't think that guy's tweeted in like over two years or something like that. He has a Twitter account. He just doesn't use it. It's exactly. just so funny. Are you surprised but, though? But even nah, never that. <laughs> but even in that game though, with the uh Trailblazers and the uh the Clippers, I mean there was a a cool moment where uh uh Paul George was going after uh Trent. Gary Trent? Yeah, Gary Trent. He was going after him because, like, he got locked up one play, and I guess, like, Gary Trent was talking crap mm-hmm. to him. And then he was like, yo, don't do that. <laughs> he was like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. So, I mean, but, I mean just Gary, Gary Trent has been – has the play to back it up so far in the bubble. The guy's been mm-hmm. streaky from behind the York. But I just a- think that these guys have been, like, around each other a long while, like, seeing each other – uh off the court because this almost feels like it has like aau vibes so it, mm-hmm. it's 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 and that's another interesting them, yeah thing. it's like are we gonna see lot. are we gonna see like dame on the sideline of a clippers game because he was there on the sideline during i think it was the lakers clippers game mm-hmm. uh he was on the sideline so it's like are we gonna see dame again on the sideline of a clippers game are we gonna see paul george pat bev on the sideline of a trailblazers game it's gonna be interesting yeah, I, I'll be very interested to see, like, when we get into the playoffs, if dudes, like, start doing a little scouting report, like, showing up to different games and start being mm-hmm. like, okay, like, you know, this if this is our potential opponent, then, you know, let's, let's be over here. And maybe we might see some more mocking. We might see some more antics, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so I think it's going to be real fun, especially going to the playoffs. Yeah, but here's the main question I want to ask you, just based on the season and the playoffs. Who do you think is under more pressure this season, Dame Dalla or PG-13? This is definitely a year where Paul George has to – and he has been doing it, I think, while uh, in the bubble as far as his play so far and sporadically throughout the season. But this is definitely a year where PG kind of needs to turn back the clock and – kind of show people that hey remember when i used to play with the pacers remember when i was that star remember when i was that up and coming guy like hey just because this is my i'm on my third team now doesn't mean i'm a bum and so i think that uh with his stint especially with his stint with okc that was kind of that kind of like took a a hit to his resume and in his career i feel just because that was probably not the best situation that he could have gone to but with him being able to now be with a player in Kawhi, who i feel like those two kind of very much work well with each other and on a team like the clippers that has um a lot of potential and a lot of 
realistic championship winning potential, this is a year where he can't have a playoff key level performance. This dude really has to go above and beyond. And let's say, for instance, Kawhi, for whatever reason, doesn't show up in the playoffs. He has to show up in the playoffs. It can't be a situation where this man literally gets carried to a championship. PG has to be a a a a willing participant and a heavy contributor to the Clippers' success. Otherwise, yet again, he will be mocked, and yet again, this will be another year where it's like, dang, Paul George just falling off. Because, I mean, you look at the past few seasons, and it's like um, losing to Utah in the first round, getting, <laughs> getting jade up and sent home by D. Lil. I mean, come on, like – this is a, a, I wouldn't say a make or break year for Paul George, but this is definitely a year where he got to show the NBA that's like, hey, I'm still a star in this league and I'm still pretty relevant. Well, first thing I'm going to say, I I think both are under pressure, but I think Dame is under way more pressure this year. And I think that's just because sticking with their core of Lillard, McCullum, and Nurkic for the past four years, and they've been very stalemate in the Western conference. I mean, they surprised everyone by making the Western conference finals last year, but then now what's happening this year, they're barely struggling to make a playoff spot. So it's like, and then the the previous years before that, they only made, or they didn't get out of the first round and twice in the past three years. So, I mean, they've been struggling a lot and there's been a lot of speculation with this whole Dame and CJ backcourt, not working out and potentially trading one of them and making drastic uh, changes to the team. And I think this season, if they get knocked out of the first round again, which is very, very possible because they'd most likely be playing the Lakers in the first round, or no, they would be playing the Lakers in the first round if they make the playoffs. I mean, you're most likely going to get knocked out again for the third time in four years right out of the first round. And I won't be surprised if they make drastic changes. And also, I think – Dame is the Batman and CJ is the Robin, but in LA, Kawhi is the Batman and PG is the Robin. So they're like making Dame have a lot more pressure than PG this upcoming playoffs. Because if Dame doesn't show up, that Trailblazers team isn't doing shit. If PG doesn't show up and and Kawhi is still there, I mean they're still in a good space because they still have Lou Will, they still have Kawhi, they still have Montrez Harrell, who's actually finally reported back to the bubble. But I mean. I think Dame has way more pressure just because he has a whole franchise riding on his back. I mean, Paul George has his career riding on his back, but I don't even think so much so because he has another year left on his contract and then a player option on top of that, that him and Kawhi can both uh, opt out, but they still have another year left on their contract next year. Whereas Dame, not I'm not looking at it from a contract perspective. I'm looking at it as a franchise perspective where it's like, okay, shit don't work. We got to blow this team up. We're like we've been doing this for four or five years and it's not been working out. So that's why I think Dame has a lot more pressure on his on his back, because if he doesn't show up, which I mean, I'm not saying he won't show up because he's shown time and time again that he will show up. But I'm saying just if he doesn't show up, the trailblazers are going to crumble. Whereas if Paul George doesn't show up, the Clippers still have a chance to shine. Now, I get you. Um, I guess my thing with uh, with Dame is is that while, yes, there is pressure on him to perform and there is uh, a lot riding on him, if uh, if he doesn't, you know, have a good game or if he doesn't 
play to the level that we've seen him play these past few seasons, then obviously, yeah, the Trailblazers struggle mightily. But I guess the um, the Blazers kind of have to look at themselves in the mirror after this season and wonder, do we just roll the ball back out again with CJ, Dame, and Nurkic as our main three guys? But how I've many been times saying, have they been saying that? Like, yeah, and then, and then my thing is, it's like, I just – I don't know if that works. I don't know if it works because I mean, if you had, the the one justification that they have that uh, you may be able to keep them around is the fact that they did get to the conference finals that one season, uh, and they you know they they just came up short against a better team in the Warriors. But overall, I just feel like the reason when I I look at Dame is not having as much pressure as Paul George. Is for the simple fact that let's say for instance, um, he he all he holds that franchise Portland at his fingertips, and I know he said in the past he's not about um, teaming up. He's not about you know he's he's trying to be a, a trailblazer for life and all that stuff. But I'm sure this dude is sick and tired of getting so so close and not getting to the finals. And I know he, you know, he he comes off like he's a very loyal guy and all that stuff. But hey, every guy says that they're loyal. Every guy says that they are this, they're that. But there reaches a point in time where you got to make a decision of, do I want to win, or I'm just content just being on this team and you know I'm cool with just being in Portland. But then how does that make you look? Like, look at the whole Paul George thing when he said that with the Thunder. Now he's getting so much backlash for that. Like, that's why we're even talking about this right now, whether it's Dame or PG, because PG has gotten so much backlash, and that's why he has a pressure on him. But, I mean, if Dame does that, he's going to go back on his words, and he's going to be in a similar situation as Paul George, especially after he made the comments to Paul George saying, you've been switching teams. And if if Dame switches teams all of a sudden, I don't think that's going to work. I think that uh, I'm not saying can, that I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm just saying it's going to make it. Things it's going to make him look worse. bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to make him look bad. But I, I just think, hey, I mean, if you're Portland, you kind of have to weigh your options. I mean, yeah, you 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 found like some nice pieces to put around Dame. But the, the hardest thing about when you have a star point guard is uh, it's not that you can't win with a point guard, because, I mean, obviously the Warriors did it with uh, with Steph. But you look at the pieces that were around him, and I, I just feel like is Dame getting that same level of a supporting cast that Steph had when back in like 2014, 2015? And I don't feel like the answer is a hard no, but it's not a it's not it's not a yes either. So uh, the Trailblazers front office needs to either figure out a way to get themselves beyond. Uh, fighting for a playoff spot to being a legitimate contender. And I don't know how they can do that when they're not a free agent destination and they're not just heavily equipped to be able to lure in stars. So so are you agreeing with me then that Dame has a lot more pressure? I, I would say that like he – has pressure on him. But the only reason that I would disagree and just lean more towards Paul George is for the simple fact that I'm looking at his current state of his career. Everybody loves Dame. Everybody knows and and says that Dame is, outside of Steph, he could probably be the best point guard in the league right now, outside of Steph. 
but but with Paul George, I just look at his career right now, and like I remember when he was with Indiana, I was like, yo, and he had that that monster jam on Birdman and just just posterized the heck out of him. I was like, that was his Kodak moment. That was his moment in the playoffs where it was like, yo, this dude is about to be something serious. But since then, I mean, Dame has had several moments in the playoffs, has had several uh, marquee moments. But Paul George really hasn't had that coming out party. So I think this is this is the season to have that level of coming out party, I well, believe. Let me stop you right there, because that whole narrative of Paul George not showing up in the playoffs or Paul George, like, you know, kind of blundering in the playoffs, I think it's absolute BS, because if you look at him, like Indiana, like we said, he was solid. He got to the Eastern Conference Finals. He, yeah. he pushed the Heat to seven games, and then he pushed yeah. the Heat to six games. But in OKC, this guy was averaging 28 points per game or even in his last season in indiana he averaged 28 points per game in the playoffs and then he came to okc he averaged almost 25 points a game in the playoffs and then in his last year with okc where he got knocked out by the blazers he averaged over 20 point 28 points per game and it's like the guy was shooting over 40 percent as well too so it's not like he was shooting at a terrible clip no it's not this whole narrative of this whole narrative about pg not showing up in the playoffs and playoff p not being thing like forget about the playoff p the nickname or whatever but i'm talking (laughs) about paul george not showing up in the playoffs i think it's absolute bs because the guys put up the numbers supporting cast i never thought westbrook and i've been saying this for a long time i don't think westbrook is a good teammate and i don't think he himself can look will a team place- to make uh, the finals or to even win a championship i just don't think unless he changes his way which he's finally starting to change his play style and not take as many shots and is attacking the rim and kind of being a step back and being a robin because he always mm-hmm. wanted to be batman mm-hmm. and that's why things with kd and him you know kind of went hayward and kd left but i just think being with Russell Westbrook, unless he changes his game like he is now, and that's why Houston is a threat to to the Lakers and to the Clippers in the Western Conference, he's not going to win the championship. So that's why I don't I don't get this whole narrative about Paul George, Paul George not showing up, not showing up. So it's like I think it's BS. And- I think it's the fact that uh, while yeah he did put up the numbers, he was getting jaded up by Joe Ingles, <laughs> and while yeah he did put up the numbers, he got jaded. I mean up Joe Ingles so, I mean, did yeah. that to the Clippers before too against right, uh, CP3 right. against Blake Griffin. Like right, you right. can't just knock but Joe Ingles. But no, I'm not knocking Joe Ingles. It's just the fact that come on now, Paul George, Joe Ingles. As far as names go, people are gonna know more. Gonna gonna know who Paul George is more so than Joe Ingles. And just just the fact that it's like, dude, you're letting a guy who's not an all-star, who's not even on the same level as you as far as resume, J you the freak up and just ball out on you. And it's like, you can't do nothing about it. He's got that old man game and he's just taking it to you. And you can't do a damn thing to stop it. And it's the same thing with uh with Dame. Uh when he hit that shot on, it was like when he came when he came out in the press conference and was like saying like, oh, that's a bad shot. Which Loki, I I mean, like, you know, Come it's on only now. a bad it's only a bad shot if you haven't practiced that before and if you've never like done it before. Like people will will, will say, like, oh, it's not a bad shot if it goes in. But it Dane hits those shots all the time. So that's why I was like, eh, it's not really a bad shot if he hits those on a regular. So but I mean, I don't know that he, he just came across he just came across as hating. Like this, the last thing we seen of him in the playoffs was getting knocked out 
and hating on a guy who jade him up. And so, I mean, like, I mean, I get that, but I think this whole narrative is also because he's just a clipper and a lot of, and I hate to bash Laker fans, but there is just some delusional ass Laker fans that (laughs) honestly get on my last nerves and, and they literally are like, because, (laughs) because, because he's not a Laker, because he said he was a Laker fan. Now he's a Clippers fan. Like whatever the case may be, just the fact that he's wearing a Clippers Jersey and he's not a Laker, like, Laker fans just feel automatically attacked just because they, they feel like their their franchise in LA is, you know, kind of being sieged right now in a way by the Clippers. So that's why they want to go ahead and talk about Paul George. But also to Paul George's credit, like this guy has been injured. He's had six surgeries in his career. Including that major gruesome injury. That's what I'm oh saying. So it's like it's, injuries are a part of the game. There's playing? only so much you can control. Right, and then the fact that he's even still playing at this high level is amazing. he's playing better than he is than he was before, and that just goes to show who Paul. Like he might George not have is. like the same level of athleticism, but at the same time, like he's he's hit. I think his, his shot has definitely improved since. He oh yeah, one hundred percent. And I think the the main the only thing I will say as far as like, um, you know, criticism for Paul George is just like I guess like in the last in crunch time he's. I don't know if he's the guy who I would want to have the ball in his hands later on just because he hasn't really shown me that he can hit those shots in the clutch. But um, but overall, yeah, I agree to your point. Like maybe uh, a lot of this narrative about Paul George and even you could tack in Kawhi Leonard as well is just the fact that they snubbed the Lakers because both of them were linked to go to the Lakers and everybody, everybody thought they were going to the Lakers. And then all of a sudden they're like, nah. No, nah, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. And I swear, so, that, like, I there, there's that. very reasonable Laker fans. I'm not saying all Laker fans are like this, but there are a very majority of Laker fans that are very toxic, just like Knicks fans, just like Warrior fans, which I'm pretty sure those Laker fans now were probably Warrior fans a couple years Ooh. ago. Ooh. So, I What's mean. What's real beef? What's the beef? Well, see, the thing is, like, me being a Clippers fan, I have no hate against the Lakers. I was, like, I wouldn't say a Lakers fan, but I, like, had love for L.A. team back in the day in the 2010s when the Lakers were winning. I had no beef. It was once the Clippers started getting Lob City and we started getting good, all the Lakers fans wanted to start attacking the Clippers fan. And I'm just like, yo, you guys feel like you guys are actually being, like, attacked right now just because there's another team in the same building that's as good, if not better, than you guys? That, that's yeah, my then, whole issue is like, why are you guys coming? And then at the end of the day, these guys are like, we're getting Carmelo Anthony this offseason. We're getting LaMarcus Aldridge this offseason. We're getting this guy this offseason. It's just like, you guys gotta are emotional as shit. Gotta have hope. Gotta I have get, faith. I get having hope, but be realistic at the same time, too. Sometimes you got to just got to dream because you never know. I mean, even with the LeBron situation, like some people were like, is he even going to come? Why would he even come to this team? It's and like, again, this is me not knocking the Lakers at all because – you guys historically are arguably the greatest NBA franchise there is. So I'm not knocking the Lakers at all. I'm just coming at certain Laker fans. Yeah. So overall, I can't, I I can't wait to see all the hate in our social media. Yeah. Overall, I just, I just, I'm excited to see both the trailblazers. If they do end up making it to the postseason and the Clippers, uh, who's going to have, who do you think right now is going to have the better, postseason uh d lil or paul george i think well given their matchups or just in general because given just in general because even because even if like you know 
Dane could get uh, the Trailblazers could get swept by the Lakers, but Dane could put up like some crazy ass numbers. That's what I was gonna say. Statistically wise and on paper, it's gonna be Dame just because he's gonna get be getting majority to. of the touches. <laughs> he has to, yeah, and he has to. Like I was saying, but alluding to before, it's like if he doesn't show up, this Blazers team is nothing. Like no yeah. disrespect to CJ, no disrespect to Nurkic, but let's be honest. And mm-hmm. and with Paul George, I mean, you still have Kawhi Leonard. And you still have this entire team. Montrezl Harrell is coming back. So that's what I'm else. saying. You have this entire team. Take out Kawhi and Paul George out of the equation. You still have this whole team that took the Warriors to six games, and then and add had that and then comeback. add two top ten <laughs> players to that mix. Like, come on now. Yeah. That's why I think it's going to be Dame, who on paper may put up better numbers, but if you look at it from from more of a, a team oriented way and what maybe Paul George is going to do off the ball and you know take away uh double teams from Kawhi or like create because actually Paul George is a very underrated uh playmaker as well too so I think and and in the bubble so far what I've been seeing from him is his confidence is through the roof like it doesn't look like he's scared of playing injured anymore because there definitely was that time in OKC where he was playing injured and the guy still finished third in MVP voting so that just goes to show right there but I think Paul George is going to be solid in the playoffs, but on paper, Damian Lillard's going to look better. Yeah, we'll see what George Paul, I mean, Paul George does. <laughs> this guy. All right, well, we have more bubble beef news. Uh, we have the match, the rematch that everyone has been waiting for since January 9th is happening on Monday night, and that rematch being the Pacers versus the Heat. And ironically, we were just talking about those teams back in 2013 and 2014 when LeBron and PG were going at it in the Eastern Conference Finals. But let me tell you something. Those teams do not look anything alike they were back then. Nothing. (laughs) So, I mean, if you're wondering why January 9th is the date that everyone has been waiting since, it's because that was the last time Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren got into it after a foul. And there was uh, there was some major beef going on, and TJ Warren wasn't backing down on Jimmy Butler. And this is what Jimmy Butler had to say after the game about TJ Warren after he got uh, TJ Warren ejected. Uh, I mean, to me, I think it's tough for him because I can guard him and he can't guard me. Like, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Um, but like I said... Um, I think you just got to watch your mouth in certain situations. There's some that you just don't say as a man. And, um, I mean, he, he got he to see me the next time because I, I feel like what he said was, was truly disrespectful. And it's all good because um, we see him again. I'm, I ain't scared of nobody. So, you know, he talking about, oh, we're going to fight, this, that, this, that. It is what it is to me. He's not, he's not even in my fucking league, like nowhere near me. Um, and if, if I was their coach, I would I would never put him on me ever again. He, he's like, no, put somebody else on me because I'm, I'm a Taz every time we play. He's trash. And then after the game, Jimmy Butler also posted on Instagram a screenshot of the Miami Heat schedule with the Pacers versus Heat games circled and captioned it. He added CJ Warren and he said, at TJ Warren, don't be mad. You can't guard me. We will see what you can do about it in March and they were supposed to play March 20th but obviously due to the suspension of the season they couldn't play but the NBA gods are amongst us and blessed (laughs) us with this matchup in the bubble and let me tell you since January 9th a lot 
of has things changed. have changed for these two a teams. Lot has a lot has changed. So first off, let me start off with Jimmy Butler has missed the last three games for Miami uh, due to a foot injury, but he announced Saturday that he plans to play against Indiana. And then second, TJ Warren is not TJ Warren anymore. He's TJ Jordan in the bubble. <laughs> I mean, this guy is leading all players in the bubble with 34.8 points per game while shooting 60% from the field and 55% from three, which is absolutely insane. And also, that's not even, like, defensively, he's averaging 6.6 rebounds, 1.6 steals, and 1.4 blocks. So, And TJ Warren isn't known to be a defensive guy, and those are some pretty damn good defensive stats. And not even to mention, he single-handedly beat the 76ers in both teams' opening game in the bubble by dropping 53 points and going mm-hmm. 9 for 12 from three-pointer. And this was against a fully healthy 76ers team, too, which I thought – I don't know why the hell I thought they would go undefeated, but, you know, <laughs> that's the Sixers. Got to live, got to live, got to live. But TJ Warren is listed day-to-day with a foot injury, but I'm sure he will suit up and – play for Corey. He going pu- to push himself to the limit to get out on the court for this to. game. He has to. because how, how crazy would that be? We're all talking about this matchup and then Jimmy Butler doesn't play. play and TJ Warren doesn't play. Place. Like, that'd just be like, oh my God. But, Corey, what are your expectations for this matchup? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, there's definitely no loss, no love lost between the two. I mean, what's so funny is like, uh, in his uh, post-game interview, Jimmy Butler was just going in on TJ Warren, was talking about like, oh, he's just upset because I can guard him, but he can't guard me. And he was just going in. And he was like, he will never be on my level ever. <laughs> I was like, yo, if you go back and look at it and like watch it now, you're like, whoa, this is kind of crazy <laughs> when you really think about it. And then when I saw TJ Warren's response back then, he was just like, oh, you know, it's just basketball. Like, he's all casual about it. He's all chill. He's like, Because hey, you, know you know TJ Warren took that shit personal. And in the little hiatus <laughs> that they had, they were like. Off. He threw up a middle finger toward Jimmy Butler as he was exiting after he got ejected. He was trying to say meet him in the, like, in the, in the tunnel. Yeah. You're about to see was, some Rocket Clippers see, find a secret of, tunnel somewhere in Indiana. <laughs> And since you brought him up, in the words of Michael Jordan, he took that real personally. <laughs> he took that real personally. So what I'm saying, TJ Jordan. Yo, but yeah, it's about to it's about to be on and popping if these two are on the floor because I think that after everything that's going on, how could you not, if you're TJ Warren, not be excited to go up against Jimmy Butler and and be like, look, guys, I know that you know we're trying to win this game, but. I'm guarding Jimmy Butler tonight. I don't give a I don't give a care in the world what you guys say. I got Jimmy Butler. No yeah, know, switches, cause, no cause, nothing. That's my usually, guy right there. Usually you think Malcolm Brogdon would be the one to guard Jimmy Butler. Exactly. But yeah, I mean I think that I'm just I'm just fingers crossed both of these guys are playing tonight because yeah. that that'll be crazy. Yeah. Um and then if you look at the standings, I mean that's what I was just about to say. It's like they're <laughs> both they're both tied right now. Or what is it? They're both tied for fourth right now, 43 and 27. So bigger than just the the matchup itself between Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren, they're playing for, I mean, there's no real home court advantage anymore, but they're playing to see who gets the higher seed. So yeah, it's going to be, if those two match up in the playoffs, 
I mean, we thought like that that will be the ultimate. And that's how you see <laughs> that right there will show you that the NBA gods are real. <laughs> if they literally give us that matchup in the playoffs, because right now they're four and five and tied for, and I think what Philly is a game behind both of them, but right now with no Philly with no Ben Simmons, he actually no did, he had, Ben Simmons actually just left the bubble to go get knee surgery. Yeah, guys, surgery. Embiid, like I told you, the guy's a definition of glass. So yeah, like he had, a, he had to a, step away with a foot injury. That's what I'm saying. So I think. Embiid is going to be out for a little bit, and then I think the Sixers are going to fall, which could really, really potentially give us this Heat-Pacers matchup in that first Which is like, the at, the, at the start of the season, who would have thought, like, everybody would have been excited to see Like, Heat. everybody would be thinking, like, oh, Victor Oladipo versus Jimmy Butler. Like, that's going to be the main right. thing on your head. But now we're talking about TJ Warren, Warren versus Jimmy Butler. <laughs> exactly. Which I've been saying exactly this, and I told, I told Corey this the other day. I'm like, dude, TJ Warren has always been one of my sleepers when it comes to fantasy basketball or just basketball in general. Like, this guy will give you a quiet 18 points per game every single season and he's only been getting better and better from shooting behind the arc because that was probably his biggest knock and then uh offensively but I mean look at him now he's shooting 55 percent behind the three-point line so I mean this matchup is going to be very interesting Corey who do you think is actually going to take it tonight um the Heat have been playing like really kind of up and down lately I mean obviously like Jimmy Butler like you said hasn't really playing been playing a whole lot but just going based off of form right now, I would more so lean towards the Pacers, to be honest with you. But what do you think? See, that's a tough one for me just because, like you said, with Jimmy Butler, it's going to be his first game back in a while. So it's going to be kind of tough. And then also Goran Dragic is battling injuries as well, and that's a big key off their bench. So it's going to be tough, but I – I think it's going to be the Heat, just because I think they have way too much firepower for the Pacers to handle. And I just think, like, Bam Adebayo, dude, this guy is one of my favorite players in the NBA, just because he's, like, he he does everything on the court. This guy's literally can guard Giannis, but at the same time guard Joel Embiid. Like, that just goes to show how versatile he is. So I'm going to go with the Miami Heat. I mean, it, it's, it wouldn't shock me at all if the Heat get the victory. But ultimately, I'm just hoping we get that playoff matchup because, you know, Which for sure. Very, very possible. You know, for sure, those two are going to be going at it all the freaking time, nonstop. And not even just on the court, but I'm, I'm, it's always those post-game interviews and those press, uh, those press conferences in the playoffs that be lit because them reporters, they know. Like, them reporters be asking them, <laughs> them questions that be like, what did you think of uh, what uh, – Jimmy Butler had to say about your performance. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. And then lastly, to wrap up the some bubble news, we got Draymond Green fined for his comments about Devin Booker. Uh, basically, Draymond Green was stepping in for Shaq as NBA analyst on TNT when he had this to say about Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns. It's great to see Book playing well and Phoenix playing well, but get my man out of Phoenix. It's, it's not good for him. It's not good for his career. Sorry, Chuck, but uh, wow. Book, they got to get Book out of Phoenix. I need my man to go somewhere where he can play great basketball all the time and win because he's that type of player. Are you tampering? Maybe. <laughs> the NBA definitely said he was tampering and slapped him with a $50,000 fine for tampering. 
I mean, and, and the Suns decided to have fun with this and tweeted, we've got at least 50K reasons why we love Devin Booker and posted a video of Devin Booker highlights. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on this whole tampering and Draymond Green and the Suns? I'll, I'll say this. He's not wrong for saying that D-Book need to get the heck out of Phoenix. <laughs> he's not wrong. But, I mean, just the way that the comments – and he's a player, he's going to come across like he's saying, like, hey, come to the Warriors. And he wasn't even saying that. But we've seen, like, as far as tampering goes, we've seen Magic Johnson, when he was still, like, president of basketball operations on the Jimmy Kimmel show, talk about Giannis and how good of a player Giannis is and how the Bucks have a great player in Giannis. <laughs> and then next thing you know, he gets slapped with the tampering fine. So um, tampering's funny how that works. Because if if you're a player and you're on, like, social media or whatever, and you just, like, you know, like, let's say, for instance, like, you know, in a weird alternate reality, because we were in the NBA, and I was, like, and we were on different teams, and I was, like, yo, shout out to my boy Kush, balling out. I'm, like, is that tampering? 50K fine. 50K <laughs> like, fine right yo. there. <laughs> I'm, like, am I tampering right now? And I'm, like, it's only tampering when star players do it. Like, if role players were, like, yo, shout out to my boy. He's <laughs> getting it done out but there. But I think also the fact that it was on national TV, yeah. I think that's what made it a lot worse. Because I feel like if you just tweeted something about it, like, hey, my guy. Because guys always do that. Like, I, I remember Trey Young. He's been probably the most vocal out of the guys that aren't in the bubble. Just talking about like how Luca is going off right now and how Luca had 19 assists on only two turnovers. So, I mean, that's so, I, that's I, so I, ironic because like they were in like the same draft class and they got like, traded every, for each other. Yeah. And like everybody was talking about how like, you know, they'll forever be like their careers will always be in sync with one another. But, but I mean, I, I, just, I think if, if like I think that's just narrative to be honest with you because I don't think they have. I mean, any sort of that's beef with sports each other. for you. You're mostly gonna get narratives from fans and stuff like that. <laughs> but I mean, like if he would have said that on Twitter or something like that, I think maybe he wouldn't have gotten a tampering fine. But just the fact nah, that it was on I think national still, TV. I think, I think he still because I told you like as soon as it happened, I <laughs> I hit you up. I was like, yo, he's gonna get fined for that. He's getting fined for that. Well, no, something no of doubt. this magnitude, yeah, for sure. But if you would have just said like like you were saying like, oh, Kush is balling or oh, Corey's balling, like nothing would happen. Yeah, but, but yeah. I guess it's just wild that like, um, I don't know. I think it's a bait and switch. I think that like he's over here talking about like D book. But low-key, I think, like, the biggest rumor is, like, whether or not Giannis is going to get the heck out of Milwaukee and go to the Warriors. And I'm like, yo. With what imagine if space, though? Like, like exactly, these guys are going to have to get exactly. dudes off the street to play yeah, for them. Exactly. I mean, you got but, Curry hey, I mean, tied Giannis, up. You got Curry Clay. tied up in a $200 million contract. You got freaking Clay tied up in, like, what was it, a $150 million contract or something like that. And mm -hmm. then Draymond's tied into a $100 million contract, which is why I don't think he's worrying about this $50,000 fine because it's just, like, nah. his chump changed him. Yeah, but he's chilling. I'm not the biggest fan of Draymond Green in general, and I, I think a lot of people aren't a fan of him. But I do yeah. respect his his how good he is and how great he plays alongside with Steph and Clay. It's not a knock towards his game. I'm just not a fan of him. But with that being said, Draymond Green, I don't know if you actually watched TNT. He's a pretty damn good analyst. And he's a great analyst because he knows he knows the game so well. Exactly. And, and I just think with his charisma as well and like just his persona as he's a got person, like that that Shaq and uh Charles Barkley and like But the thing is you know, that, that I feel old like school, that old school vibe with him too. So. Right, but I feel like also Shaq and 
Charles, like they try to be way more funny, which I'm not saying they're not funny. Those guys are hilarious, but I think they try to be way more funny than rather give some insight knowledge on the game of basketball. And again, I'm not saying that they don't know about basketball, but I'm just saying they focus more on the comedy side rather than the uh, basketball knowledge side where I think Draymond, he gives a little bit more to the basketball knowledge side while being, he can be a definitely a troll and you know mm-hmm. be give mm-hmm. give that comedic side of him as well. So I mean, I if he had an NBA show, I would for sure watch it. As much as yeah. I don't like the guy when he <laughs> played, but when he's off the court, he's decent. So I think, and a lot of people after they were talking about, they were like, uh, or after he came on TNT, a lot of people were like, "Oh, he's coming for Charles's spot. He's going to take Charles Barkley's spot." <laughs> well, so. hey, if Charles keeps sleeping on air, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe because that man keeps on constantly falling asleep right in the middle of tape and dude is just like i'm, I'm gonna take a, a quick little let, let me tell you something let me tell you something check Ernie, Ernie, Ernie. let me tell you something kobe bryant it, <laughs> no nah, i can't do a good charles impression but nah did, but it's so in, in other news did you have you seen or kind of a, a side note have you seen charles barkley's golf swing <laughs> yes yes i've seen it yes like this dude's pulling a hezzy mid-swing <laughs> Like, I don't get it. If you guys haven't checked it out, definitely look up Charles Barkley golf swing. And there's some guy who literally made an evolution of Charles Barkley's golf swing from like the early 2000s to today. And it's just, it's comedy. It's just like, even when he doesn't try to be funny, he's funny. And just going back to the Draymond thing, like everybody, I always see like this meme of like LeBron uh, in like uh, the, the, the chamber similar to like uh goku and bbz and dragon ball z but i'm not saying that you know the warriors are just about to be like you know back to the old self next season but i think this season was a clear we're just gonna take this year off we're gonna be cool and we're just gonna be resting up getting healthy getting everybody back and then wait next season when they get when they get a top pick well it's probably that pick it was probably a genius thing, like you just said, to get a top pick. Cause get a top pick, and then if they decide to, they could do whatever they want with that pick. They could flip that pick and get another star player. Um, they could really. I know Corey do wants to say. Want. I know Corey wants to say Giannis. I mean, hey, hey, if they got James Wiseman and and and, and flipped him to to Milwaukee with Andrew Wiggins and another draft pick, Milwaukee might low key be thinking like, hmm. Do we take this or not? If, we, a play, if he's not, if he's not gonna stay, because you don't know if if Giannis decides. Because you're gonna have like, to look, give up that first pick and then some for Giannis. Because look, because Giannis is the he's face not, of this friend. Because like, he, the NBA. because he, he, you don't know if he decides to leave. Which you know, a team, a, a team in the market of Milwaukee, that is a thing that any that's a possibility of happening. And it's not to say that the Bucks are trash, but. If they don't get to the finals this year, that has to be in the back of his head of thinking about maybe potentially leaving. Because, look, I'm all about... one more year after this year. Because I think so many times people get kind of caught up with the whole loyalty thing, but it's like, I get it. The Bucs took a chance on him. They drafted him when it didn't look like... If you go back and look and and just think about all the dudes that was drafted ahead of him, um, and, and you think about, like, how he like first started up in the league, who would have really thought back then that he was going to be the the player that he is right now. 
I think you probably would have less than 1% of people that were saying that, oh, yeah, this Giannis guy is going to be really good. <laughs> so overall, I think, yes, there is, you know, some level of respect that you have for Milwaukee taking that chance and drafting him. But I've said it from, like, even when Kevin Durant decided that he was going to leave OKC. And and now I'm that I look upon it, um, even when LeBron went and decided to go to the Heat, Everybody thinks that players have to be loyal to the teams that draft them, but they don't. They don't have to be loyal to the teams that drafted them because as much as these teams love to say that, like, oh, we're a family and we love you and we care about you, at any point in time, you could trade me unless I have a no-trade clause in my contract. So at the end of the day, this is just business. It's nothing personal. And so if Giannis wants to do the best for his career – the best for him, the best for his family, uh, by all means, I think he should go ahead and put that at the forefront of his brain rather than let me make sure that all the fans in Milwaukee and I don't piss off anybody. I don't make everybody mad. It's like, nah, dude, you got to do you. You got to do you. But one thing I will say that is you see a lot of these teams have a star player and they won't really do much with him. They won't try to bring the surrounding pieces around him. Like you saw in New York when Christoph Porzingis, like they weren't doing shit to help Christoph. I mean, hell, even Melo. I mean, even Melo. I mean, mean, they they tried to bring bring, Amari. They did bring Amari, but like that was it. It wasn't like they could lure in another star to go around them to have like a big three. So, but I mean, everybody, I think with the whole Melo thing, like people thought Amari was a good, uh, pick up for them it just didn't work out I think yeah. that's what it was but like with Kristaps they try like the, you try to bring in Dennis Smith Jr like that's the best <laughs> name that you brought in like, like that was literally the best name that they had for Christophs. that's what I'm saying but it's like with with Milwaukee at least like they have Chris Middleton they made sure they locked up Chris Middleton for Giannis and then they mm-hmm. brought in a guy like Brooke Lopez who is a perfect center to have mm-hmm. around Giannis Stretches and then the even and then yeah. even brought in Robin Lopez his brother who Robin Lopez, ever since he got in Milwaukee, has evolved his game. Like, the guy's shooting threes, like, threes. normal. And I'm just like, yes. wait, what? And, and then they brought probably in... the best three-point celebration in the NBA. <laughs> and then and then they bring in Eric Bledsoe, who was named first-team all-defense last year, either first or second, but he was named to an all-defensive team last year. So, I mean, they're doing due diligence for him. I mean, one thing you could knock – uh, the Bucks for is not bringing back Malcolm Brogdon, which I think if they had Malcolm Brogdon, that'd be gigantic for them. That like, even I think Giannis said he was like, I'm surprised when we didn't bring back Malcolm Brogdon. I wish we had him right now. But yeah. I, I, but, but I think it all depends because I'm not saying he's unhappy. I'm not saying that he should leave. I'm just saying that if he was unhappy or if he feels as if um, he's looking at the current landscape of the NBA right now and by all intents and purposes, AD, he's he's like, I would say Giannis is like, I wouldn't say he's competing like with the likes of like KD and uh, Anthony Davis. I would say he, he's, his, his career is kind of more so in the same realm as like Anthony Davis. And so maybe give it like a year or two, whatever the case may be. I don't know if he signs a long-term contract. Well, that's what like, I'm saying. He only has this year and then next year, and then he's a free agent. Yeah. So the Bucks don't have I, a lot of time, and he doesn't have a lot of time either. Exactly. Because especially I mean, the Bucks, because if he's Crazy made up his decision, if he made up this decision that, all right, I want out, 
like the Bucks can't just let him walk. They got to trade him to get mm-hmm. something. So it's like mm-hmm. they can't just let him walk. So. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Like it's not too far fetched if you think about it. If they decided to to move him, you know. But I'm just saying, like Draymond and the Warriors. I would not sleep on them whatsoever because they're cool right now. They're relaxing now. They're just resting now. But uh, all of a sudden, as soon as soon as they if they just get back to to the way that they're playing, I mean, the West is already difficult as it is, and then you exactly. throw the Warriors right exactly. back in the mix. It's like, gosh, like dang just, it. just move a team or two to the East. Give us a team or two <laughs> in the West, man. Even it out because the West is so I mean, goddamn so competitive. Stacked. It's already way too competitive, especially in top heavy as heck. Exactly, but. and then I mean, well, this whole thing started with D Book and the Phoenix Suns. So I mean, and the Phoenix Suns right now are still the only undefeated team only in undefeated the bubble team. right now. Only and D Book is balling. And just as a team, they're balling. Monty Williams is doing a great job. Uh, Let me ask you this, though. Let me ask you this before we move on to the next topic. If you – because right now it's looking like the two teams that – well, there's three potential teams, the Suns, Trailblazers, and Grizzlies, all look like they're vying for the eight, nine uh, seeds. Out of those three, who would you more so be inclined to – to say is probably going to get into the playoffs out of those three. Well, right now, just given the 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 situation with um, the Grizzlies, you know, losing Jaron Jackson Jr., I would think it's going to be the Blazers are for sure going to be in there, whether they're the eighth or ninth. But it's still going to be tough to knock out the Grizzlies because, I mean, if they won yesterday, they would have clinched one of those spots. And I, I think right now they're only a half game up of the Blazers, but they're uh, one and a half games above the, the Suns. So I think if the Suns lose and the Grizzlies win in any of these next three games, which is very possible for both teams, the Grizzlies clinch that spot. And then I think the Trailblazers are going to clinch that spot. So ideally – because of the injury situation, I would love to see Trailblazers versus Suns because I think that'll be a hell of a matchup of a play. D book, yeah, D book. So I think that will be fighting it out, especially like when you think about like the storylines that we were just already covering with Damian Lillard, and then the fact that Devin Booker's never been into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So this would be a major. Well, let, let me tell you something like that. D book for the first time in his career, has won four games in a row. I know. I saw that. I saw that. This is the first winning – this is the first, like, five-game winning streak that the Suns have been on in a good long time. That is insane. So that just – I mean, that just Just winning five games in a row right now. That just goes to show the Suns franchise in the past – in the recent years. But ideally, it would be Suns and Trailblazers, but I think it's going to be Memphis and Trailblazers. That's what I think it's going to be. I wouldn't be shocked either, but – uh, like you said, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like, if we got Suns versus Trailblazers, man, you you want to talk about all the different storylines that go into that, mm-hmm. and 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 just what's on what's at stake and what's on the line for for both of those franchises and and both of their star players. Whew, I mean, even that, that, even that's crazy. The, even if the Suns lose the next three games, them going five and three in these seeding games. That's a gigantic positive to take into next season. That's exactly what I was thinking too. Like that's that, and that shows that shows that like they're not just 
you know, make it five on five like we've seen. And like, these are against the, the best of the best teams. They beat the Heat. They beat the Clippers. They beat uh, the Pacers. Like, they beat good teams as well. It's not like they're playing the scrub teams like the Wizards, the Nets, the Magics, you know, the the, the Pelicans, whatever the case may be. Like, right. they're playing good teams. So that's definitely a positive to take into the next season. But, all right, I think we spent enough time on the NBA. Let's move on to Major League Baseball when – we had our first brawl upon the COVID-19 season, and it happened Sunday between the Oakland A's and the Houston Astros. I mean, we all knew it was going to be involving the Houston Astros in the first brawl. So, But in the seventh inning of the final game of the series, the A's center fielder, Ramon Laureano, got hit by a pitch for the third time in the three game series and the second time in this game alone. So after being hit in the seventh inning, Loriano was joined with the pitcher and the catcher trying to tell the pitcher Humberto Castellanos, who was a rookie. He was trying to tell him how to pitch on the slider. Like he's not hooking it. So uh, Loriano was kind of making it seem like it was an intentional hit. And mind you this, that in this whole series, there was five A's or there was five times where the A's were hit by a pitch and uh, and that's in a three-game series. And the Houston Astros, the one that everyone thought was going to be getting hit every single game, didn't get hit by a pitch once. So, I mean, Luriano was obviously frustrated when he was walking down the first baseline after getting hit by a pitch, and rightfully so. I mean, three times in one three-game series. So he was minding his own business, and then that was until – Astros hitting coach Alex Centrone started exchanging words with Loriano and then proceeded to step out of the dugout and he signaled to Loriano basically like come at me and without hesitation Loriano charged at the Astros dugout where he was taken down by backup catcher Dustin Garneau benches cleared and there was a big old baseball hoopla of players just shoving each other and holding each other back no punches being thrown (laughs) you know how baseball exchanges go but um Houston's manager, Dusty Baker, was ejected earlier in the game for arguing balls and strikes with the umpire. And then Loriano was obviously ejected for going at the Astros' dugout. And then A's catcher, Austin Allen, was also ejected. So most likely there will be disciplinary consequences for Loriano and maybe other players. We were hoping to get it before we recorded this episode, but nothing so far has come. But after all, Rob Manfred is a commissioner of the MLB, so... It's going to be slow. It's, it's going to be, be slow. It's going to have that dial up. For real. So you know how shitty it's going to be. But Corey, let me ask you this. What do you think should be the consequences for each team? Well, I think the since that – I think the hitting coach probably is going to get suspended. Uh it just, I guess it depends. Because my thing is, like, if, if he's the one that instigated this whole thing, I feel like he more so bears the realm of responsibility, which I credit Ramon Lariano for not charging the mound after getting hit by the pitch. And he was even, if you want to say, giving the pitcher some advice, like, hey, man, you got to hook that, got to hook that slider. So, I mean, he wasn't like, he didn't start going off until the hitting coach stepped out the dugout and was pretty much instigating the whole thing and was like, yo, you want to go? And he was like, yeah, F and Ray, I want to go. So um, I, I just feel like since like the hitting coach kind of instigated a, a lot of this, he should bear more of the blame because L- Ramon Lariano was just, you know, he was already 
fired up because he got hit by the pitch. And then he's getting called out by the Astros. And there's already tension there with this being, you know, the Astros, the pantomime villain of MLB. So I, I just I just feel like Lariana's probably going to get maybe three a three-game suspension for his role in it. And I feel like the hitting coach should bear most of the brunt of the blame, so maybe like a four- or five-game suspension for the hitting coach. And, uh, and yeah, I think that, that should be the brunt of it. For me, I think if you suspended Joe Kelly for eight games right. for throwing at – I mean, call it if you want to call it intentional. He was throwing it intentionally or whatever the case may be. First of all, you got to suspend the pitcher. Because you don't you don't want incidences like this happening, or that's what Rob Manfred said at least. So stick by your word. Uh, suspend him. Loriano's for sure gonna get some suspension. Um, honestly, with the magnitude of the whole COVID season, I really wouldn't be surprised if he's suspended for at least thirty games or more. Like I mm. feel like he's gonna get a big suspension just because he's the one that. Maybe didn't instigate it, but he started it. He did charge. Yeah, he charged into so, into a the whole dugout. dugout, and it's like, and then you had both benches clear, and then because of that, I think both managers will be suspended for maybe a game or two because we saw that happen with Dave Roberts. So, right. and then with the 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 hitting coach, just because of your coach, I wouldn't be surprised if he's suspended for the season, just because it's like your mm. coach you're not supposed to be doing that. You're supposed to stay in the dugout. First of all, the fact that he stepped out of the dugout, the MLB could, but then again, we all have to take into account. This is the Astros. And the fact that the MLB never did anything to the Astros in the first place with, I wouldn't say didn't do anything, but didn't do anything of the magic. Yeah, there was no everyone hard... expected. Yeah, 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 yeah. They may give them another slap on the wrist and just be like, okay, Cintron will be suspended for a few games. That's about it when he was the whole one that instigated it, stepped out of the dugout, called another player to him. And then this is the part that I love the most. The guy calls Loriana to him. Loriana's charging him. So the coach is now like, oh, shit, he's coming at me. Let me get ready. (laughs) And then a wall of Astros players just just come together and block him. And Cintron just stays the hell back. And he's not even a part of it anymore. And it's just like – He's just watching. He's just watching. I was like, that is the most typical bitch – Astro shit. <laughs> like, I'm not surprised, but it's just like, how the hell are you going to try to instigate someone and then try to just stand behind the whole thing and let your players And then act it? like I didn't do nothing wrong. <laughs> right, like, that is the most... I'm not even going to say it, but... Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, man, that's just so... So, yeah, but, hey, Loriano, I, mean, before... I think he's going to be suspended 30 games or more. Wouldn't, again, wouldn't be surprised if he's suspended for the season as well, too, just because the whole you have to take COVID into the account. And I think yeah. they're trying to set a standard with the entire league as well too so that's what you also have to take into account is like isn't this like correct me if i'm wrong isn't this like the first actual brawl we've had like this season yeah so the other one the other one was the dodgers astros but just benches cleared nothing happened yeah no no punches were yeah no yeah exactly so So this this will be like i mean if you look at the video there was no real punches being thrown but there was contact like dustin carno took down loriano yes uh i mean uh maldonado was getting in scuffles with uh, some of the A's player Matt Chapman was heated and yep. like I think who was it? it was Franklin Barreto he had taken off uh, Maldonado's mask or something yeah so, yeah McCatcher got his mask taken off yeah so I mean take take all that into account I would the MLB is definitely going to consider this a brawl like a legit brawl yeah um yeah. so, so there, there uh, could yes. be some very very hefty some heavy suspensions. suspensions yeah yeah so I mean I was really really hoping that we would get it before the episode started but 
we're not gonna get it. Thank you, Rob Man Fred, for nothing as usual. <laughs> yeah, since this is the first actual brawl, then this will set the precedent for going exactly. forward. If this happens again, we shouldn't have the similar consequences for whoever gets involved in another scuffle. I'm just very interested to see what happens with the hitting coach, Alex Cintron, and what happens with the pitcher to see right. if they even suspend the pitcher and for how many games. Because if you're gonna do right. that shit with Joe he Kelly, did. yeah, because he did hit him. That. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so. so. We'll have to, and that was the second time the Astros hit Loriano that game, and the third time in the whole series, and they hit five times the whole yeah. series. So that like take all of that. And into one of account. those, and one of those, one of those uh, pitches that he got hit with was a fastball. So I mean, like, yeah, one of them was a ninety-one mile an hour fastball from the pitcher before dude, it wasn't the same pitcher, right? The other one was a seventy-eight mile per hour quote unquote slider that had no break. I mean, it had no break whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like. It looked like it looked like Hobby Milner's pitch against Matt Olson <laughs> that he gave up the walk off grand slam. That's what oh it looked like. God, it was way inside, way inside. But um, but nah, I think that was also some frustration on the Astros part because if you look at that whole series, the Oakland A's were just kicking the Astros ass, bro. Like they were just beating them like a drum. It was it was kind of surgical. <laughs> yeah, and and not to not to you know kind of brush it under the rugs like shout out to the a's they've won nine games in a row so and they're a top of the division a division that i was thinking that the astros were going to be keen on taking i think a lot of coming did. off of especially coming off of all the crap that they had to deal with like in the uh off season and you know uh you know just playing that playing up to that villain role i thought they were going to be like yo like let's go out here and just you know prove a point like you know, you know, you know why us. they're not hitting well because there's no goddamn fans <laughs> to bang anymore. I mean, like, that is like, wild. It's it, like it's Altuve, so crazy. Altuve, um, Bregman. He's, he's hitting terribly, Altuve. Like, I think just struggling. The, I think he's hitting under the Mendoza like line. Crazy. They're they're struggling like crazy right now, and it's kind of wild. But Correa is still balling out. Yeah, little shit. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah, when you look at the AL West right now, the Oakland's 12-4 and four right now at the top of the pack, and they have a five-game lead between the second team, which is the Texas Rangers. Houston's five-and-a-half games back. Seattle is six-and-a-half games back. And then you have the Halos at seven games back. So it looks like they're running. The thing is, like, I, knew, I know the A's are always going to be good, but their problem is, is they're always, always a second-half team of the season. So mm-hmm. – in this shortened 60 game season, there's no real first half, second half. It's like, you got to go. You got to get on yeah, your horses. Exactly. So, so for them to have such a hot start, like shout out to them. Yeah. I, I, they surprised yeah. me. But all right, let's move on to some more positive news, if you will. We have Padres shortstop Fernando Tatis Jr. is absolutely on a tear this season. Un fuego. Yeah, muy fuego. <laughs> first of all he's only 21 years old i don't know what is up with all these 21 year old we have Fernando Tatis, we have luca i mean we have <laughs> trey young when he was like it's just yeah. insane but he has helped the padres to a nine and seven start good enough for third in a competitive nl west division where the dodgers aren't even leading so that just goes to show how competitive that nl west is and so far this kid is hitting his slashes are 333 417 on base percentage and 810 slugging. So he has a 1.226 OPS, which <laughs> is, I think a lot of people don't look at average anymore and no. they look at more on base percentage and mm-hmm. slugging, which gives you mm-hmm. OPS. It's the addition mm-hmm. of on base and slugging. And he leads the league in that. 
at 21 years old and he's also leading the league in home runs with eight tied with Aaron judge and he's second in the majors with 18 RBIs behind Aaron judge and not to mention he's stolen four bases and hasn't been caught stealing once and what makes these numbers even better is those numbers if you consider within the last four games he's hit five home runs seven RBIs and six runs which is absolutely insane. And he was just announced the NL player of the week. I mean, what are your thoughts on this 21-year-old phenom? Well, I mean, I can't be, like, totally surprised because uh, MLB fans have been talking about this kid since last season. They've been talking about, like, Tatis is going to be a beast. (laughs) Tatis is going to be a beast. So I I can't say I'm all that surprised that he's backing up what so many people have said and like all the hype that surrounded him. Um, I guess the thing that I'm curious to see is, uh, is his play going to be able to turn the Padres into a potential contender? And so far, so far, not, not, not too shabby, not too shabby. Um, I mean, uh, you just look at, like you said, like all these different 21 year olds around sports, man, it's just like kind of crazy that like, these guys are barely turning into, you know, young men and they're just dominating their, their, their current sports right now. But the, the fact that also with uh, Tatis uh, hitting all these different bombs, I think like he, like you said, he's like right there with judge uh, as far as uh, home runs. And I'm just like, yo, if he can just keep this play up, I mean, Padres, man, people have been talking about the Padres being a potential sleeper for the past three or four seasons, maybe they're actually a really real deal, a sleeper team this year. Yeah. And to your point about whether he can help the Padres or not, the Padres are in that first wild card spot right now by a long shot. So they're, I mean, they're nine and seven as a third team in the division. Like that's right. insane. And I, he's the first shortstop to collect 30 home runs through his first hundred games in his career. And not to mention this kid is a beast on the base pads. And on the field as well. I mean, if you, his un, his athleticism is unmatched. Like, on the level of Mookie Betts, Mike Trout. I mean, it is Acuna to a certain extent, too. And and add hitting to that, this, this kid is the real deal. I mean, right now he ranks fourth all-time with a 1.10 OPS through their age 21 season with at least 400 plate appearances. He's fourth behind Ted Williams, Jimmy Fox, and Albert Pujols, some great names. But he's also ahead of guys like Mike Trout, Juan Soto, Cody Bellinger, and Joe DiMaggio. Also great names. So, yeah. I mean, this kid, like like I said, stolen bases, he can do it. Fielding, he can do it. Hitting, he can do it. This kid keeps it up. He could be on track to be the greatest shortstop of all time. Yeah. I mean, the only thing, if he, if he just decided, if he, if he maybe just one day woke up and was like, I want to start pitching. <laughs> That'd be crazy. <laughs> no, but overall, yeah, like he he's he's on track and he's definitely uh inserting himself. Um, I guess like the main thing, obviously, you know, not trying to wish anything on him or you know, obviously you just don't want any injuries or anything like that. Right. Um, that would probably, you know, be the one thing that would like slow his momentum down. But overall, I mean, baseball is just like such a heavily momentum type of game. When guys are on, they just they just see the cover of the baseball and they're just tearing it up. And Tatis, I think he's in a groove right now. And it's like, um, when, when, when you're seeing guys just putting up these level of numbers and just putting up these stats, it's definitely fun to watch. And I think Tatis, like, 
I hope I don't see what's happening with Mike Trout where he's putting up amazing numbers and is literally being compared as the GOAT of baseball to ever play, but has only had one playoff appearance. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm hoping that the Padres can keep it up and I hope that. Yeah, it'd be interesting because, you know, like. The thing, I will say this, the thing that the Padres have that the Angels have been lacking is a starting rotation and very yeah. young starting rotation. You're talking about Denton Lamette and you're talking about Chris Paddock, Garrett Richard, Zach Davies. So, I mean, they have a starting rotation. They have a bullpen. They have guys like Eric Cosmer, who has mm-hmm. kind of had a revival season. And then they've had guys and like has Manny that Machado. postseason. Ex- yeah. And has postseason experience exactly. in winning a world series. So, I mean, like Manny Machado, Tommy Pham, like he has guys around him. It's just, they just need to put all the pieces together. And I think this could be a year. It could where, be a special season. It could that, be yeah. a special year. Exactly. Carmen San Diego. <laughs> hey, talking? San Diego needs something to, to root for, to be honest with you, with all the, 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 you know, they lost the Clippers. Uh, Chargers dipped on them. I mean, yo, Padres, they 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 need to be good. San Diego Padres have not been good for. I mean, they've been a laughing stock of the MLB for a long time. Yeah, and so, I mean, this would. Be I will a say good, also one more thing. Good season those, to do it. I will say one more thing. Those yellow and brown jerseys, kind of sweet. Yeah, yeah. They, the Padres jerseys have been kind of like up and down past years, but this season, yeah, those those definitely are growing on me. Yeah, I kind of like their rebranding on. of like their colors and stuff like that. So I like that. And then also the Texas Rangers baby blue jerseys, those are nice. Yo, those are nice. And then also, I think a very underrated one is the Milwaukee Brewers one. The new Milwaukee Brewers one with the navy blue and the gold embroidering. Shit's mm. fire. Mm, okay. But yeah. That's pretty much going to do it for this episode. Appreciate y'all for tuning in as always. And like we said at the top of the show, y'all want us to talk about something? Hit us up on social media and we got you guys. So if you don't know our social media, it's the Nosebleeds. You know, K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. The underscore Nosebleeds on Twitter. The Nosebleeds on Instagram. Search up the Nosebleeds podcast on Facebook. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you know, give us that five-star rating. Write a write a review if you're feeling generous. You know, it really, really helps us out. We'd appreciate that. Corey, any last words? Um, I'm so excited to see what occurs in the NBA with this bubble beef. Um, curious to see what Manfred decides to do as far as suspensions and just honestly hoping that sports can stay here because I mean there's been some rumblings and some rumors that maybe we might not be able to see football going into uh, this upcoming season but we'll get into that next episode yes sir we'll catch y'all on the next one deuces